Welcome back, listeners, to Braves Dugout Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Peebles. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode where we explored the rich history of second base position for the Atlanta Braves. This week's going to be a fun one, too. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the best former Braves still currently in the Major League Baseball, but not currently on the Braves roster. That would be a fun little exercise to do. My buddy John came up with it, and I just want to give him props for that because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's dig into that. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Apple, Good Pods, wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm excited to announce that the show is doing fantastic. We made it as a finalist for the best day competition here in Florida. And so I just want to say thank you for that. You guys are awesome. Let's get started. So, what we're going to do for this exercise is we're going to look at current MLB players that are on an MLB roster or have played on an MLB roster in the year 2021 who have played for the Atlanta Braves Major League squad at some point in their career that are still active and who is doing the best per position. So, what I mean by that is we'll look at, okay, who is a current second baseman that is currently in Major League Baseball who is doing the best or is having the best career so far outside of being on the Braves. We'll look at how they've done since they left the Braves. We'll look at how they're doing this year. But currently, I'll give you an example. Andrelton Simmons started at shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. He was one of the best defensive shortstops in, in history, actually, uh, as good as he was, even though he's been injured like crazy. But he's still in Major League Baseball, and so that'd be an example. Uh, guys like Justin Upton are still in the league. They played for Atlanta Braves. You know, people like that. So we're going to dig into that position by position. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, first let's start with arguably the most important defensive position in all of baseball, which is catcher. So this one is pretty straightforward with the Braves, actually, because... If you think about it, Tyler Flowers is retired. Jeff Mathis was technically on the Braves for a little while. He's not really playing. Brian McCann was recently on the Braves. He's retired. So really, by default, you got Stephen Vogt, who is technically still not retired, but not playing for anybody right now, and Kurt Suzuki. But Kurt Suzuki actually had decent numbers once he left the Braves so we're gonna go with Kurt Suzuki here and let's talk about him a little bit he left the Braves well his let me just say it this way his final year with the Braves was 2018 he played for the Braves from 2017-2018 and he had solid years there he was good enough to have 2.3 wins above replacement in 2017 and in 2018, he had 2.0 wins of replacement. You combine that with Tyler Flowers. And the Braves had the top catching duo in Major League Baseball those two years. So, of course, Kurt Suzuki wanted to get paid, right? He was still performing very well, even since he'd been in the league since 2007. Well, he ended up going to Washington Nationals from 2019 and 2020. And he had solid performance for them as well. 
But then this past year, he played for the Angels, and finally, his age is starting to catch up with him, and he had a down year. Since he left the Atlanta Braves, he's had a slash line of 253 batting average, a 318 on base percentage, a 419 slugging percentage, and a 94 OPS plus, which has equated to 0.4 wins of a replacement in those three years. He's done so in 186 games. Uh, in 2020, he only played 33 of the 60 games. He's pretty much been a part-time catcher. Well, you know that. Even when he was with the Braves, he was pretty much a part-time catcher. And uh, But he's still been the best catcher in Major League Baseball that is formerly a Brave that is still currently playing. Now, he does not start for the Angels anymore. But he, is, he has played 68 games for them this year. And this is probably going to be his final year. He's. It looks like he's pretty much done after this year. But as far as active players, he has been the best. Next, why don't we just go ahead and knock out the most obvious one, which is third base. Hey, Austin Riley's have a fantastic year, so no complaints here, right? But it's pretty easy to see that the best player still in Major League Baseball that was wore a Braves uniform at one point that is a primary third baseman, is obviously Josh Donaldson. He was an MVP candidate and won MVP. Previous to joining the Atlanta Braves, he came in on a pillow contract, and we all know how that went. He had a fantastic year. In fact, the year he had was almost on par to what Austin Riley is having this year if you include defense and base running. So he had a fantastic year for the Braves. Sad to see him go. But he signed a mega contract. Well, I won't say mega, but way more than the Braves wanted to pay. And then the Braves were able to, you know, they had a down year from the third base position in 2020. Austin Riley was still getting used to being Major League Baseball. And now they're paying Austin Riley almost league minimum to have the same output that Josh Donaldson is having this year. So it worked out fine for the Braves. But let's talk about Josh Donaldson because that's why we are here, right? So obviously he played for the Braves in 2019, and then he signed that contract with the Twins. Donaldson is currently on his second year of his four-year deal with the Minnesota Twins. There's a four-year, $92 million deal with the team option for 2024. I'm sure a lot of Braves fans were following Donaldson in 2020 just simply because Riley was not performing as hoped, and Donaldson was a fan favorite that was no longer on the team. So most of us probably know, but in case you didn't, he was injured for most of the season in 2020. He did play 40-ish percent of the games um, with 28 games of the 60. So 40 plus percentage of the games, but he was injured for most of the season. But this year he has been, uh, he was injured for a little bit this year too, but has still played the majority of the games playing 128 games. And since joining the Twins, value-wise, if we want to look at wins above replacement, he has given them quite a bit of value. Uh, in fact, he's given them 3.6 wins above replacement in 156 games, which is still very, very good if you look at the wins above replacement per 162 games played. And if you want to look at his slash line, offensively, his offensive war is actually lower than his overall war, which means that he's been 
giving some solid defensive value as well, which is one thing that he has over Austin Riley, but overall so far Austin Riley has been a better player, so it's worked out well for the Braves. But let's look at Josh Donaldson's offensive output because that's where the eye tends to go when people look at players. He's had the 244 batting average, which is not amazing, but his on-base percentage is solid at 354 and his slugging percentage is 472. So that's equated to a 127 OPS plus, which is 27% above league average. So he's the clear choice for the best third baseman still in the league that previously was a brave. Now we can go in further and further and dig into his defense, dig into his base running, but I'm trying to keep this podcast under an hour since we have a bunch of positions to go over. So just know that he is by far the best third baseman that is still in the league that at one time was an Atlanta Brave. We will continue down the diamond on this one and we'll go with shortstop next. And this is one of the ones where it almost goes by default. Dansby Swanson has been a starter for the Braves for a few years now, so it kind of makes it to where there wasn't a ton of shortstops because fortunately, Dansby Swanson, even though he hasn't been to playing to the level that we had hoped he would, he's been on the field for most of the time. So the Braves have not had to bring in a lot of shortstops to fill in for him. And most of them that they did were just cheap contracts and not very good players from a major league standpoint just because they knew Dansby was going to be the starter. So you really have to go all the way back to Simba, Anderson Simmons, and... Uh, if you look at his slash line, you're going to say, wait a second, what? how is he the best shortstop that's still in the league that played for the Atlanta Braves at one time? Well, the answer is simple in his defense, because if you look at his offense, it's been terrible. And it's funny because I chose him this year to be my, I don't know, maybe my bounce back candidate because his floor is so high with his defense that if he could just get it together with his bat, finally, because he had a few years where he had league average offense because if... Anderson Simmons has his defense with league average offense. He's one of the best shortstops in the league. He doesn't have to bat number three or number four to be the be one of the best shortstops in the league with the defense that he brings. But this year, it's just been bad. Playing for the Twins, his OPS plus is a 58. But I did kind of want to touch on something that's a crazy stat that some of you may not know about, and that's his defensive wins above replacement. He's one of, even with being injured as much as he has, He's been one of the best defensive shortstops of all time as far as defensive war goes. In about nine and a half years, technically 10, but the first year he only had 49 games. Check this out. He is 13th all time among all defensive players ever with uh, defensive war with 27.8. And just check out these numbers. So number 15 is Yadier Molina. He had... 8,277 plate appearances. Andrelton Simmons, only 4,720. So, just look at that. No one around him is played the least amount of years as he has. Like, the closest person was Art Fletcher with 13 years. And uh, everyone else, you know, Ozzie Smith was obviously the best. He had 19 years. Another one that we probably all know, number three all time, is Brooks Robinson. He had 23 years. Kyle Ripken's number four with 21 years. And even though this is a feat of its own with Kyle Ripken playing so many games in a row, 
you have to see that like defensive war per game is a bit lower than some might think just because if you play more games, you're going to accumulate more stats. But that's not to take away from Cowderpin. He's number four all-time defensively. So we're talking about guys like this that Anderson Simmons is going up against having only played half the amount of time that most of these guys have played, and it's really impressive. If you look at Simmons' output offensively since being traded to the Angels back in uh, 2016, prior to 2016 rather, he had 687 games and you look at his offensive slash line and it's almost league average, which with him being the best defensive player in the league, he brought a ton of value. He had a slash line since 2016 of 272 batting average, 320 on base percentage, a 375 slugging percentage, which equates to 90 OPS plus 10% below average. Got the best glove in the league. 10% below average as far as OPS goes. That's a solid player. If you want to go by just war, he still has brought a ton at 21.3 and 14.1 defensive war alone. It's been absolutely insane. He's almost, I would say, an enigma. He brings so much value because he's such a good defender that even when he has a bad offensive year, he still brings a lot of value. Like, this year, for example, for Minnesota, offensively, he's been absolutely terrible, as I mentioned with his OPS plus of 58, but he's still brought 2.0 defensive war. The guy is a defensive whiz. You want him on your team. Even if he's your number eight or number nine batter in American League team, you want him on defense. He brings so much value. He's been by far the best defensive shortstop in the league since I've been born one of the best defensive players of all time and is an easy selection for him being the best shortstop still in Major League Baseball that is currently not on the Braves but was a Brave at one point. And to be honest with you, I sorely miss him. I'll say it. I wish he was on I wish he was the starting shortstop instead of Dansby Swanson from a pure talent standpoint. But he does cost a lot more money than Dansby Swanson, so if Simmons would have been on the team Swan uh Braves would have probably not had some of the outfielders they have right now. So I can't say without a doubt I'd rather have Simmons. From a pure talent standpoint, though, I would. All right, moving on to second base. This one is a little bit tough because obviously Ozzie Albies has been by far the best second baseman that the Braves have had since Marcus Giles. We talked about that last week. And he'll probably, actually I know he will, surpass Marcus Giles as the best second baseman the Braves have ever had. Well, from a longevity standpoint, no one is going to touch Rogers Hornsby's uh, single season. But I digress. It's hard to pick a second baseman because most of them are either retired or just replacement level players. So I'm going to go with, based on people that are still in the league and how they're competing, yeah, I had to spend a lot of time to try to figure this one out. And I'm going to go with Jace Peterson here. He's currently on the Brewers. And as you can see, Jace Peterson is not exactly the guy that's like, oh man, we really miss him because he was not very good for the Braves. This was during a, a really down time for the Braves. We all remember it during the rebuild. He played for the Braves from 2015 to 2017 and was not very good at all. In 356 games, he had a subpar slash line and way subpar slash line, especially for a second baseman with a batting average of 240, an OBP 
326 and a very, very low slugging percentage of 342. I mean, if you had a batting average of 240 and non-base percentage of 326, but you're still having a high slugging percentage, that's doable. But his OPS plus was 17% below league average, and that's not acceptable to be a starting second baseman, which is why now that he's still good enough to be in the majors, he's not an everyday player. In fact, in 2019 for Baltimore, who we all know is a terrible team, he only played 29 games, and he only played 26 games for Milwaukee in 2020. Percentage-wise, that's much more. This year, he's been a part-time player playing 89 games for Milwaukee, and he actually has a positive wins above replacement of 1.0, which is funny because his entire career, he has 1.6 wins above replacement, and he accumulated one of those 1.6 just this year alone. So he's by far having his best year, with six home runs, a batting average of 252, OBP of 358, a slugging of 380, which is still extremely low, with an OPS plus of 99. So he has 1% below league average, OPS plus, he's played 89 games. Not much else to say from him, except that he's not, it's not like he's a glove first second baseman either. He's got a career negative 0.2 defensive wins above replacement, which is actually the amount of defensive war he has this season alone. He's really, by default, this is who we had to pick for second base because before Ozzy Albies, the last good second baseman they really had, was Marcus Giles. Brandon Phillips was good back in his day, but when he played for the Braves, it was not the best season ever. I think it was a one wins above replacement type season, and... He's not in the league anymore anyway, so we couldn't use him. Next, we'll move on to quite possibly the hardest one to find because Freddie Freeman has been a stalwart for the Atlanta Braves forever, it seems like, in a good way. When you have 12 years of arguably a top three, maybe even a top two first baseman in Major League Baseball, it's hard to look back and be like, hmm, here's another first baseman that is the best one still in the league. Interestingly, the only two truly eligible ones, and both of them have only been playing a few games this year because they got sent back down or released, is Royal Ruiz and Matt Adams. You know, Ruiz was primarily a third baseman, but he did do some spot starts at first base, whereas Matt Adams was primarily a first baseman. So I'm going to go with Matt Adams here. But both of these players, interestingly enough, played for Colorado this year. Of course, Colorado's a bad team, which makes sense. Uh, but Matt Adams, we'll go with him just simply because he was a primary first baseman who happened to play for the Braves. And really, it was as a DH in 2020 was his main role. And then he did come in a few years prior to that when Freddie Freeman got injured. So we'll go with Matt Adams there. As most of us know, he only played 16 games for the Braves in 2020. And I didn't really understand him playing for the Braves that year anyways. I realized that they wanted a DH, but it would have made more sense to have Ozuna play DH and pick up another outfielder. So I really didn't understand that move. Maybe it's because when he played for the Braves back in 2017, he feel, filled in really nicely. I just, it didn't make sense. He was only on the team for 16 games. And then he obviously was not good enough or up to par with the terrible batting average and on base percentage of 184 and 216. And then this year in 2021, same thing. In 22 games, he was terrible 
with an OPS plus of 17. Yeah, 17, not 117, 17. And as a first baseman, that's not going to cut it. In only 22 games, he had a negative 0.4 wins above replacement. His slash line was a 167, 250, 194. Yeah, worst in the league. Not good. So, needless to say, looks like Matt Adams' career is over. Wish him the best of luck. It was fun having him on the team in 2017. But really, by default, when you have Freddie Freeman, by default, Matt Adams was the best in the league still. That was a primary first baseman. All right, so all we have left now is the three outfield spots. And then we're going to do a starting pitcher, a closer, and a relief pitcher. So this is probably a good time to do a break, as any. So let's go ahead and take a break, and then when we come back, we'll explore the outfield. All right, welcome back. Let's jump into the outfield. And you're going to see some examples here of why you don't just hand out free agent contracts like candy. And you don't just give contracts to guys that used to play on your team that you were really fans of or had a good run. That doesn't necessarily mean they're worth the money that you're going to pay them as they get older. And so let's start with left field and we're going to go with Justin Upton. And that's because... He was the best player still technically in the league on a mega contract that the Braves could not afford and it was a good thing that they didn't sign him to it because it's one of the worst contracts in baseball. The Angels signed him to a five-year $106 million contract. He was still semi-young when they signed him. He was one of the best free agents in that free agent class. So it wasn't unheard of to do a contract like that, but it wasn't the type of contract that the Braves should have been exploring, especially where they were at in their rebuild. But if we look at Justin Upton's stats, he was the best left fielder in the league that was a former Brave at during that time span, okay? I mean, even in American League 2017, he did get MVP down votes. He got a silver slugger. He was an all-star. I mean, Silver Slugger and All-Star and MVP are obviously voted by humans, but he still had a very solid year that year with a 273 batting average and on-base percentage of 361, a very high slugging percentage of 540, which led to an OPS plus of 137, so 37% above league average. It was also the only year in his career where he had positive defensive value in his Overall wins above replacement was a very solid 5.7 wins above replacement, which for good reason got him some MVP downvotes. And that is why he signed such a big contract for the Angels. As we know, he got traded to the San Diego Padres in the offseason before the 2015 season. It was a sad time for the Braves because we knew a rebuild was imminent. Since that time, he's played 794 games with a 13.2 wins above replacement. Offensively, he's been better than that with a 14.5, but his defense has been absolutely atrocious at a negative 4.0 defensive wins above replacement since that time. And he's made a ton of money doing it, which the Braves are probably happy they did not have to pay him. Overall, offensively, he has had a 114 OPS plus, so 14% above league average. So it's not like he's been atrocious or anything. It's just for the amount of money that the Angels are paying him, he has not lived up to it. His slash line is a 246, 328, 465. 
793 OPS. This past few, since 2019, though, has been pretty bad. He hasn't played more than 89 games since then. Uh, in 2019, he only played 63. And so since 2019, he's been pretty darn bad with a batting average of only 211, on base percentage of 299, a 414 slugging percentage, which is 9% below league average from an OPS plus standpoint. He's been terrible on defense. He's just been completely negative value with his contract, and he's still got one year left. But as things fall, he's the best left fielder that has been in Major League Baseball. That is a former Brave. Next, we will move on to center field, which is kind of difficult because either one, Ender Inciarte, man center field for the most part for many years ever since he got acquired from the Diamondbacks. Either that or right before that during the rebuild, the Braves deployed someone that was not good enough to still be in the league. And so it's really difficult to pick here. And by default, it leaves Danny Santana, who... Obviously, was not like a full-time starter for the Braves. He was more of like a utility guy. And he's continued to be a utility guy for the most part. But he did have quite a few innings in center field. So, by default, we got to go with him. In 2019, he actually had a really good year. He had a solid slash line of 283 batting average, 324 on-base percentage, 534 slugging, which equated to a 112 OPS+. plus. I remember, and that was in 130 games for Texas, so it wasn't like it was a small sample size. He was a full-time player for the Texas Rangers that year, and I remember thinking, man, where was that when he played for the Braves? Because you did not see anything close to that when he played for the Braves. Not even close. So it was like, man, come on. Of course. It was much like Melky Cabrera when he left the Braves, and he had a solid few seasons after he left the Braves, is what it reminded me of. But since that season... He has fallen off hard. He only played 15 games for Texas in 2020, and this year he's only played 38 games for the Boston Red Sox. If we do a combined slash line of all those together, he only has an OPS plus of 97 with a 253, 303, 478 slash line. But you take that one good year off of 2019, and it's not pretty. In those, in that small, it is a small sample size. With the 15 games and the 38 games, but he's been terrible since 2020 with an OPS plus of 52. So not feeling too bad now that the Braves didn't keep him around. He hasn't been that great, but with that 2019, that puts him over the top as the best center fielder in Major League Baseball still currently that was a former Brave, even if he probably will not be in the majors much longer. Malik Smith is still not in the league Rafael Ortega played a few innings in center field, but he has not had anywhere near the success that Santana has had. So by default, Danny Santana has been the best in the league as a center fielder. I kind of feel weird picking him as a center fielder because he's more of like a utility player. But of all those players, he's really the only one that was, okay, we'll throw him in center field if Ender Enciarte is not out there and across the league on his other teams in Texas and Boston as well. That leaves right field for the Atlanta Braves, and you probably already guessed who it is because we talked about bad contracts, and that's Jason Hayward. Man, when Jason Hayward came onto the scene, much hype, and for good reason. In his first year, he looked 
like a future MVP candidate. Of course, his first game he had a home run. It was electric. Everybody loved him on the Braves. I have a Jason Hayward jersey myself. I still wear it sometimes. I actually wore it for my baby announcement for my first child. That's how much of a fan I was of Jason Hayward. As most of us or some of us know, he was traded to the Cardinals for Shelby Miller, which at the time was sad, but it made sense why the Bears were doing it. And then that initially was like, okay, well, we got Shelby Miller. That's good. But then we traded Shelby Miller for one of the best steals ever in getting Ender Ciarte in his prime and Dansby Swanson in what looked like could be a solid pitching prospect, which did not pan out, but still was one of the best trades of all time with the Diamondbacks. And so thankful for Jason Hayward for that extent too. But this was when defense was starting to really, the sabermetrics behind defense, people were seeing in front office how important defense was for good reason, and it still is. It's just they might have possibly overvalued defense from a money standpoint because the money is more about market value than it is true output. And we have seen that the contract that Jason Hayward ended up signing with the Cubs as, at the time, the best free agent outfielder in his free agent class has not panned out. Yet again, proving that the Braves do not need to just sign free agents to a ton of money just because they used to play for him and that they liked him. The Cubs signed Hayward to an eight-year, $184 million contract. And since then, which was back way back in 2016, he has only had two years of positive offensive output, and one of them was in the small sample size of 2020 when he had a 129 OPS plus in 2019 it was the first time he brought the Cubs league average offensive output with a 100 OPS plus every other year has been negative offensive output to be fair he has had solid defense which is what they wanted right I mean since 2016 he has accumulated 2.9 defensive war but again that's not groundbreaking right I mean it's it's solid but it's not anything to write home about. In 2016, he had 1.0 defensive war. In 2017, he had 1.4. Those were both very good defensive years. Earned him a gold glove. And they were, I mean, that's what is really good for an outfielder. Especially not a center fielder, primarily. Even though he did play some center field. But since then, he hasn't even been top of the league defensively either. It's just been a bad contract. To be fair, he's still a solid player. Right, but not for that contract. It just doesn't make sense. Since signing with the Cubs, from an overall war standpoint, he has been good. Well, I say good. He's been okay. He has brought in a war of 9.5 in since 2016. So if you average that out per year, it's not fantastic. It's pretty league average. Okay, It truly is. Uh, so it, what a terrible contract, but it, it, it is what it is, okay? Uh, the, the Braves have not had a ton of very good right fielders other than obviously Ronald Acuna, and who has also played some center field. I mean, they've brought in guys periodically like Matt Joyce and, and stuff like that, but as former Braves, the most value brought since being a Brave is Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward has the worst contract in the league, 
as a former Brave that's still in the league by far, even worse than Justin Upton. But he's technically, from just from pure default, the best right fielder still in Major League Baseball. That used to be a Brave. That's purely because all the rest of them don't play in Major League Baseball anymore. At least they don't start hardly any games at all. Matt Joyce did play for the Phillies this year for 43 games, but he brought less value than Jason Hayward has, by far actually. And he had an OPS plus of 33. So he was really the only competition to Jason Hayward, and Jason Hayward beats out a 33 OPS plus and a negative 0.5 wins above replacement in only 43 games. So it's not saying a lot. But that's just how the cards were played, and Jason Hayward wins out as the best right fielder that used to be a Brave that's still in Major League Baseball. Now let's move on to pitching. I want to start with closer, um, and then we'll move down to a reliever and then a starter. The closer is the easiest choice here. Is Mark Melanson. Do we even need to talk about stats? Because, I mean, he was on the Braves last year, right? And he still has been successful for the Padres. You know, it is kind of funny that he blew the save that the Atlanta Braves ended up beating the Padres and eliminating them from the playoffs. So that was kind of sweet. You know, there's a lot of controversy with him of, oh, he left the Braves to go play on a team that he thought was going to be a winner. And on paper, the Padres looked very solid, to be fair. But we can't say and hate Mark Melanson for that. One, the Atlanta Braves have pretty much said that they didn't offer him a contract. So it's not like Mark Melanson, quote-unquote, left the Braves. The Braves didn't offer him a contract, so he couldn't just show up to training, you know, and be like, hey, I was on the team last year. That's not how it works. So we can't fault Mark Melanson for that. But Mark Melanson, Melanson has not been elite by any means. He does lead the league in saves with 38, but that's more coincidence than anything else because he does have an ERA of 170. Two ERA plus, sorry, 172, which is 72% better in the average. But if you look at other things like his whip, he has a 1.241 and a FIP of 3.38. It's not like he's been elite by any means. It's about on par with what he was doing in Atlanta. But he has had some luck. Um, his strikeout to walk ratio is 2.32. So it's that's not otherworldly like a closer should be. His numbers are okay for a closer. Um, interesting enough, he did lead the league in saves way back in 2015, but just look at the difference here. Leading the league with only, at the time of this recording, depending on the team, there's about anywhere from 6 to 10 games remaining on a team's schedule, and he leads the league with 38 saves. When he led the league in saves in 2015, he had 51 saves, and then the following year he had 47 so it's not like 38 saves. It's like, oh my gosh, 38 saves. He is killing it this year. Nope. Only one thing he does have better this year than he had last year was he does strike out 8.2 batters per nine innings, whereas he only struck out 5.6. But he's also walking more batters this year at 3.5 walks per nine innings to only 2.8 last year. And that was way worse Last year was way worse than his 2019, where he, he struck out 10 per 9 and then and walked less than 1 per 9. So 2019, he was an elite closer. 2020, he wasn't. And this year, he's even worse. But he's had a solid career. 
by default, he's the best closer that is in the league that used to be a Brave. And he's still a very serviceable reliever. He's obviously better than Will Smith is, right? So we'd probably rather have Melanson than Smith anyways as the closer. This leads us to a non-closing relief pitcher, which I'm not always a huge fan of doing this just because a relief pitcher to me is a relief pitcher. I'm not a huge fan of the title of closer. I just feel like the best high leverage pitcher should be your closer. A lot of times pitchers get signed to be the closer, but just like Will Smith, just because they have the title of closer does not mean they always need to be the closer. You know, obviously, it, it seems like right now Matzik would be a better option. I mean, shoot, even A.J. Minter would be a better option closing out a game than Will Smith at this point. The relief pitcher was very difficult because, as we all know, relief pitchers are very volatile. They'll have some seasons where they look absolutely elite, and then the next season, they look absolutely terrible. One, because they have much smaller sample sizes than starting pitchers as far as innings go. So with rate stats like ERA, they can be all over the place. Expected fielding independent pitching can be all over the place year by year, even though it's an expectancy stat. I mean, it's it's really bizarre and it's really difficult. So it's hard to pick. Part of me wants to say Darren O'Day because, you know, he had a 3.38 ERA for the Yankees this year, but he only played 12 games his ERA plus was a 131, but with his fielding independent pitching, it showed that he got really lucky because it was up at a 4.95, and his walks and hits per inning pitched were 1.2. He had 7.6 hits per nine innings. He was giving up a bunch of walks with 3.4. So it's it I and I can't in good conscience choose him because he one he only played 12 games. And even though his ERA is kind of low, it's everything else is pointing kind of bad. So really, it was a flop in between two guys that we're probably glad are no longer on the Braves, which is Matt Whistler and Lucas Sims. Especially considering who we got, we got Adam Duvall in one of those trades, and so it it makes sense why they aren't on the Braves anymore. But I'm gonna go with Matt Whistler here just because. Lucas Sims had a fantastic year in 2020, but it was 2020. Things were weird. The rest of the time, other than 2020, he has not been good. So I'm going to go with Matt Whistler here, which is really, really odd to say, but a lot of it has to do with the Tampa Bay Rays saw something good in him and have turned him around. And so I'm going to go with currently the best pitcher because the with it being, like I said, relief pitchers are so volatile. So I'm going to go currently, right now, it is Matt Whistler pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays with a 2.3 ERA in 27.1 innings pitched. He's got an ERA plus of 171, which is 71% better than league average. His fielding independent pitching is a 2.18, and he's only walking 1.3 batters per nine and striking out 11.2 batters per nine. And his strikeout to walk ratio is 8.5. He's pitching like an absolute elite pitcher right now since he's joined the race. Interestingly enough, he pitched for the Giants for 19.1 innings and did absolutely terrible. So something, and we already know this, when pitchers go to the Tampa Bay Rays, they get better. But oddly, it seems to happen with the Giants too. 
when pitchers go to the Giants, Gossman's been better, you know, people like that. And and it's just really interesting. To, Alex Wood has been better. It's just been interesting to see. But as of right now, Matt Whistler is by far the former best former relief pitcher that used to be a Brave, pitching lights out for the Tampa Bay Rays since the Rays acquired him this year with 27.1 innings pitched of some of the best relief work in Major League Baseball. Finally, that leaves us with the best starting pitcher, and it's not even close. It's Kevin Gossman. As weird as it is to say, because when he left the Braves, or when he was no longer on the Braves, I should say, rather, it was almost like we wanted to say good riddance. And it's not because we disliked him as a human being, but statistically, he was just frustrating. Super frustrating. But since joining the Giants, he's been lights out. He is signed through this year on a one-year $18.9 million contract, and he is probably going to go into free agency being one of the top targets. That's how good he's been. He's got a 4.1 wins above replacement this year with an ERA of 292 in 31 games. He's pitched 179 innings to this point and has 211 strikeouts with a whip, walks plus hits per inning pitched of 1.061, which is one of the best in the league. He's been outstanding this year. His FIP is slightly higher at 3.08, but that's still very good. He strikes out 10.6 per nine innings and only walks 2.5, which is solid for a starter. He was, oddly, this is the first time he was selected as an all-star. He's pitching lights out for the Giants this year, and he had a solid year for the Giants last year in 12 games. And a you know as a starter that was quite a bit. He had fit in 2020. He had 59.2 innings pitched, 3.62 ERA. The FIP was the same as it was this year, pretty much at 3.09. He struck out 11.9 per nine innings and walked right around the same. So he's been pitching right around the same rate wise in 2020 and 2021, and he's been one of the best starters in the league. <laughs> so it's kind of sad seeing how. Bad he was doing for Atlanta with a 4.2 FIP, right, and a ERA plus of 75 for the Atlanta Braves before he left them or was no I say left he did not leave them since he was no longer being on the Braves but since he's been with the Giants in 2020 he's been one of the best starting pitchers in the league and he should get some Cy Young votes this year he won't win it but he probably will get some Cy Young down votes this year. He's been one of the best starting pitchers in the league and a large reason why the San Francisco Giants have had the best record in the National League this year and could go on and play in the World Series this year even though the Dodgers are super deep and the Giants keep, based on looking at the team on paper, keep blowing my mind of how well they're doing. A large part of that is because of former Brave. So the starting lineup, if you will, of former Braves would be Kurt Suzuki, Josh Donaldson, Anderton Simmons, Jace Peterson, Matt Adams, Justin Upton, Jason Hayward, Danny Santana, Kevin Gosman, Mark Melanson, and Matt Whistler. Not exactly an all-star team currently. Really, the only two that are worth, which would get all-star votes, really is Josh Donaldson and Kevin Gosman. Mark Melanson as well. Those are really the only three that are viable options right now currently in the league. 
All right, that's the episode this week. Don't forget to like and follow on Apple, Good Pods, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. It's been a lot of fun talking about the second baseman last week and deep diving into the best players that used to be the Braves this week. You can contact the show for business and queries at bravesdugout at gmail.com. You can follow the show at bravesdugoutpod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. We have the Atlanta Braves Dugout Facebook group. We have a website. All that stuff is in the show notes, so check those out. Thank you so much for listening. The playoffs are getting tight. It's getting a little nervous. Hopefully next week we will have a playoff berth clinched when you hear the next episode. So with that, as always, go Braves.